Welcome to a special edition of Football on the 40. We're coming at you ad-free to get the OU fan perspective before the big game this Saturday in the Red River rivalry. I'm joined by my close friend, Tanner Tabor. Welcome, Tanner. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm psyched to be on. I appreciate, appreciate you uh, reaching out and asking me if I'd be on. I would love to bring an OU fan perspective. So. Yeah. Wanted to bring in somebody that, that bled crimson, which might not be uh, that unique, but um, yeah, share a little bit about your, your fanhood and level of interest in the team and, and uh, yeah, who are you? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm a little bit in enemy territory here. Um, so yeah, I, I have grown up an OU fan my entire life. It's ingrained in me. My dad uh, was a huge OU fan um and actually played high school football with Troy Aikman and so uh, Troy initially went off to OU and so my dad got to go to a lot of the OU games while Troy was in uh well he was playing at OU before he ended up transferring um but huge OU fan I can remember um during one of my little uh, little league soccer games growing up uh in the year 2000 uh my team always beat the brakes off of their soccer teams and we were up big at halftime and OU played Nebraska at 2.30 p.m. Um, and it was I think number three OU versus number one Nebraska and everyone was kind of wondering if OU was back uh, in 2000 and OU went on to win but my dad at halftime said hey Tanner we've got to go home we've got to we've got to make it back for the game and so that's when I knew you know yeah, I'm an OU fan. <laughs> this is more important than just my soccer game. So, uh, of course, that year OU went on to win the national championship. So, uh, absolutely no regrets uh, of missing the second half of my soccer game. Um, but uh, went to OU, graduated in 2016, and uh, really enjoyed my time there. Um, I've been to a lot of Red River uh, rivalry games. I think about, I, I'm thinking about that. Um, I think about eight games. Nice. Um, so, um, yeah, I have some really good memories, uh, some bad ones, um, <laughs> um, but they're always fun. And the great thing about that game is that it's always um, kind of a toss up and there really is truly no underdog in that game. So um, it's, a, being, it's a battle. Of, you're, you're being a little too humble. It's been it's been mostly good for a while for you. <laughs> yeah, for the past 10 or so years, uh, I think OU fans have enjoyed uh, Texas being down. But you guys have got us in a few of those games, too. Yeah. Um, but that's the fun part of the game, too, is that, you know, even even if Texas is unranked, um, you know, they can still give OU a game or take them to overtime like last year. Uh, yeah. You're, you're conditioned to – you know, knowing that it's going to be a close game despite our loss to uh, BYU or Maryland <laughs> or Arkansas or, you know, the close game that we shouldn't have played against Tulsa. Um, I feel like regardless of what we're looking like coming into that game, it's I guess it's good for me to hear that, you know, going into it as an OU fan, you still see it as something that's probably going to turn out to be a close, really physical football game. Absolutely. And I mean, the big thing is, I don't, I think a lot of OU fans actually want, at least since we've been in the Big 12, I think a lot of o, OU fans, um, they like when Texas is good because we want the game to really be super meaningful. And so I think it's fun this year with you guys being back in the top 25 and um, 
it looked like after you guys had lost to Arkansas, it might be a rough year, but shoot, Arkansas is a pretty good team. Georgia is probably an NFL team. after They uh, just beat Arkansas, but uh, so it's looking like Texas has really, um, you know, looks like they're on the right track. So we've had to kind of earn our way back. And I'm probably, I probably felt the same thing as you after we lost to Arkansas. I, we joked about it on an earlier podcast, but I famously left our group text, our football group text at, at during the third quarter of the Arkansas game and stopped, stopped watching that game is the first game <laughs> I've stopped watching that I can ever remember actually. And <laughs> I was off the Sark bandwagon and, and pissed and it ruined, ruined my, ruined my night for sure. But we, we, we've kind of like earned our way back um, to some, to some degree, but I, I want to ask you a follow up about your dad, like playing with Troy Aikman in high school. Was he like a wide receiver, like catching passes for Troy from Troy or, or like blocking for him or what did your dad play in high school? So he did play wide receiver. He actually caught Troy Aikman's first ever high school touchdown pass. Nice. Um, and but they kind of ran a they ran like a uh, it was a wing T offense, a little bit of, a, of an option, which you don't really think of Troy Aikman as an option quarterback. But he did go to OU to play for Barry Switzer, and so they were kind of trying to change that. He ends up getting hurt midway through the season, transfers to UCLA. Um, but yes, my dad caught his first ever tu- uh, high school touchdown. Um, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he didn't and have actually, the have the uh, you know the perspective at the time to be like, I need to keep this ball. This guy's gonna be in the Hall of Fame type thing. But <laughs> exactly. Um, and actually, there's some uh, they did the NFL Network did a uh, a special like a football life on Troy Aikman, and my dad ended up being in the documentary. Uh, during it like the recording of the game it was kind of a black and white you know old looking recording uh but it was cool like he actually you know caught a ball um that's that's on, really cool. on nfl network <laughs> so <laughs> fun fact i've been on nfl network that's cool um yep. <laughs> well we're, we're gonna get into it here obviously uh you know Tanner and I are buds, but we're on very different sides of the coin when it comes to this upcoming weekend. So um, as we get into how this season has gone so far um, and how each of our teams are looking, I want to hear a lot about, you know, what you've seen from OU. I've watched my fair share of your last couple of games, um, but admittedly, you know, the first three, four games of y'all season, I was mostly following on the ESPN app and, you know, noticing some closer scores than I expected and, and, and whatnot. So we'll get into that, but um, starting off, I feel like, you know, something that we're united on, right. Is probably us looking forward to joining the sec. Um, Although our rivalry is real and there's animosity there. And, you know, this weekend we will not be texting each other. Um, I think both of us are really excited about about that change and that news just in the last few months here. So what are, what are your thoughts about, you know, how that how that came to be and and where we are now in our in our road to leaving leaving the Big 12? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, so obviously, I mean, it's going to be a huge change uh, not being in the Big 12. Um, you've been in that conference in some form or fashion of it for a lot of its history. Um, and I know Texas has been in it since 96, but um, going into the SEC is going to be huge. I mean, we're going to be 
playing, we're going to be playing with the big dogs, you know, there's no doubt um, to get to go play uh, against Alabama or Georgia. Or um, I can remember I went to the 2015 Tennessee game at Tennessee and it was really uh, the first time Baker Mayfield kind of arrived on the scene. He took OU back from down 14 in the fourth quarter. We hadn't scored a touchdown. It was 17 to three and uh, he brought OU all the way back and won it in triple overtime in Knoxville. Um, and I was in the stadium and it was electric. They had 105,000 people and they set, they set a uh, decibel level, noise level record for them, which was huge because Tennessee's got a good tradition too. Yeah, um, so I it's going to be fun. I was going to ask you about that actually because I, I think we were we were actually roommates or something when you went to that game. But um, on football on the forty, amongst you know myself, Andrew, Jake, and and also Hamilton, I think one of the things that we're most looking forward to is those road games. And as you said, you know we'll be playing with the big boys, but not only the the on field you know watching the teams and the physical brand of football that they play the the experience as a fan going to some of these great college towns and seeing other stadiums and new fan bases um it's you know not to harp on somebody like Baylor or Tech too much or Iowa State but going to even a Tennessee as you mentioned who is not a premier team in the SEC and hasn't really been for as long as I can remember, it sounds like even that was over a hundred thousand fans, electric, incredibly loud. It's like as a fan, going to those is gonna be so much more fun, probably for the next like decade as we spread out these trips and and go to places like Tuscaloosa and and you know everywhere else in the SEC. I mean, even even one of the one of the ones that I'm most looking forward to is is Ole Miss, I think, because I've heard a lot about their tailgating, but it's just going to be, it's going to be wild. Where, where's your first road game going to be? Oh man, Ole Miss would be a great start. I've obviously college game day covers their tailgating uh, pretty good. I feel like every year they have a good special on them. But uh, for me, I, I think I would either want to go to LSU or Alabama just because I've heard, I've heard visitors, it's a little hostile at LSU, but mm-hmm. Alabama, I mean, they, they're the I mean, they're the cream of the crop, and uh, it would be awesome to see a game, um, to see a game in Tuscaloosa. So that would that would be the that'd be where I'd want to go. Uh, yeah, first to see a game. I, I can uh, think of I can think of several that I've wanted to go to, but also like a little tangent here. Fun fact: all the guys on the football on the forty podcast actually bought season tickets at LSU last season. So we we had a home and home with them the last two seasons. So we played them at home in Austin when Joe Burrow was starting to get his momentum, right? We hosted them for a game, played them really tight. They famously converted on like third and a million to, to ice the game at the end. Um, but we were so stoked for that, that we actually all, we kind of did the math and we figured that by buying, you know, $500, $600 season tickets, um, we would avoid having to pay 500 just for the Texas game. And they were going to have Alabama last season at home too. And we were like, we'll be able to sell the Bama ticket for at least a couple hundred dollars. And like, it will be a joke for the rest of our lives that we've been uh, season ticket holders 
in Baton Rouge, but it, it was kind of, we felt like a smart financial choice and COVID just kind of ruined the whole thing. But um, <laughs> we, we were already running and gunning to go to one of those away games at one of these SEC schools and didn't really get the opportunity to see it. But I'm, I'm with you, man. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be so awesome. That's, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And then OU really went on to have a pretty close game with uh, Texas that year in the, for the college football <laughs> playoff i think they had 50 at half <laughs> they were so like it was their offensive coordinator the passing game coordinator that went to the did he go to the panthers what was his name yeah uh brady i think was his last name joe brady, joe brady yeah. or something the yeah. joes they were just they were wild we were staying with lsu fans when they when they played us in austin and they were really fun before the game and not fun after the game <laughs> uh, but <laughs> So that, that was my experience at Tennessee too. They were welcome to Knoxville, welcome to Knoxville. Um, and then after the game, there was a lot of hostility. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to go home now. Uh, so I, I think animosity is a good word to transition into the next, the next thing that I'm wondering about. There, there's been some animosity from our current competitors in the Big 12 about um, the pairing of OU and Texas leaving leaving the conference and making it effectively the Big Eight after after we left. Um, for us, we've had a lot of flack from states in Texas, even from you know the state legislature and the state senate, um, giving our administrators a really hard time about loss of you know income to other cities in the state because Texas fans aren't going to travel there anymore and things like that. Um, but but for you as an OU fan, I think one one interesting question that I have to ask is how are things right now between you and the OSU fan base, and how's OSU feeling losing their major rivalry with no plan really to maintain that rivalry in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a little bit like a little bit like Texas and Texas A and M when A and M left for the SEC. So there is some hostility for sure. Um, and, you know, OU and OSU is kind of a weird rivalry because we are rivals, but at the end of the day, it's always kind of been like OSU is our little brother. Um, mm -hmm. And we beat them every year. I think our, in football, you know, our, our record is like 80 something and 18 or something. OU has really dominated it. And so there's, there's some hostility, but um it doesn't it doesn't sound like OU and OSU have any plans to play each other and I hope that won't be the same case like it, it has been for Texas and Texas A&M mm. uh, up until this point obviously but um I think there is some real hostility from OSU and I think they're just upset that they're a little bit being left behind and um there was always a rumor that like like this Texas state legislator uh, there was always this rumor that OU and OSU were tied at the hip together um, and they weren't going to be able to separate from one another, but I guess we found out that that's not true. So uh, when yeah. when push comes to shove, you're you know in a weird way your buddy is your your out of state rival, and and you kind of leave Mike Gundy and his mullet in the dust. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> in the uh, <laughs> in their uh, the people that uh, bang the 
bang the sticks on their stadium. The paddles, the paddles. Yeah, the paddles. <laughs> In this day and age where you can't actually hit anyone with a paddle anymore, they they kind of found a way to still uh, keep all the paddle manufacturers in business. That's right. <laughs> I've I've actually been to a couple games in the in the OSU stadium in Stillwater and I've had really fun experiences. Um, so I I do I I feel I feel for our competitors, but I mean they're adding they're adding several teams to the Big Twelve. It looks like. Have you had a chance to see who's who's going to join the Big Twelve? Yeah, I mean I think it could still be a decently strong conference. I mean it's obviously going to be like kind of a tier two thing from the rest of the Power Five. I don't know if the Big 12 would still be considered a power five school after this. It wouldn't seem that way to me. Um, but, um, yeah, it looks like with Cincinnati and BYU and um, Houston and UCF, I mean, it seems like they're going to have a good conference. And really, I think for a lot of the teams that are left behind in the Big 12, the Baylor, Texas Tech, OSU, uh, Iowa State, to me, it seems like it's kind of a fair fight now. Um, and they're a little bit more on the same level. And so I think it's still going to be a fun conference to watch and um, still going to be fun to see local schools um, compete. And that's, it's going to change the, the dynamics of the conference, and they're probably going to be super good at basketball because mm-hmm. Big 12 just been solid at basketball. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt like it was almost a missed opportunity for college football not to just let the Big 12 dissolve and to – find a way to consolidate in four major conferences. And the reason why I feel that way is we have now uh, a college football playoff that I think TV executives have been really excited about. They've integrated it well with major bowls, but as avid fans of college football, you, you still kind of make the comparison to what typically high school state high school um, championships look like and those tournaments look like and also how the NFL is organized. I feel like you mentioned, are they still a power conference? What does that look like? Because we still will have five major conferences, but I think it was, I'll always wonder, you know, what if, would that, would that have been a logical next step that being going to four major conferences to something like a more, intensive playoff with with more playoff games and an opportunity for upsets at the end of the season what do you think about that yeah i mean four four conferences four major conferences uh would be awesome a 16 team set kind of like what the sec is about to do um but you know i was kind of thinking um if i were osu or texas tech or baylor um to me this seems like the best case scenario that could have could have happened because i just can't imagine that OSU or Baylor or Texas Tech would want to go play uh, at Oregon or at Cal or Stanford mm-hmm. at, at a 10 p.m. kickoff, Yeah, <laughs> you know, central time. And uh, I just can't imagine that they'd want to go or go play against. I mean, a lot of the schools in the West Coast doesn't seem, seem like they care about football quite as much as we do uh, in the South. And uh, so – and and I think OSU fans are far more into it than a lot of the West Coast schools. So yeah, I think it's kind of a best case scenario um, that they're going to get to keep a conference and just kind of know that it's a little bit, it's a different tier, but it's still going to be good football and still going to be fun to watch. So that's that's a good point, kind of taking the positive perspective of that because someone like a Baylor, someone like an Iowa State is going to have much more of a shot of winning a conference championship. 
like I think in the in the past teams like that have those fan bases have felt like they had good teams and they they still didn't feel like they had a realistic shot of going even going to Arlington to Cowboy Stadium for the championship game and definitely not winning. I mean, um, with OU winning like the last what is it six or is it six the last six Big Twelve championship games. Um, I feel like as a Baylor fan, you have to kind of see the silver lining and say, you know, maybe I'll get a trophy that weekend of the season. But also I have to jump in and say, I love the comment about the late night games and Baylor not wanting to go to the West coast because I Baylor fans go to sleep at like seven 30. They, they don't <laughs> stay happens. up. They got, they got church the next day. So they probably wouldn't have even watched those games, let alone traveled out to the West coast. So yeah, it probably is the a best case scenario for them. But so we're both excited about the SEC. Um, excited for the road games. Excited for the heightened level of competition and you know experiencing hundred thousand crowds even when you play someone someone like a Tennessee um, in the in the southeastern conference. Um, but obviously, it's it's Texas OU week. This for me and for our fan base is we get more excited about this than when we go to a big bowl game. Um, we make huge weekend plans with our friend groups and get to see people that we haven't for a while. So um, what, what are your plans? How are you going to watch the game this weekend? Yeah. So uh, like I said earlier, typically I go to the game. Um, I've gone to a lot of them in the past, but the past few years, um, some college friends and I, we've kind of just made it a good tradition to go. Um, to the lake and um, we just catch up just the six of us and um, have a really good time and um, we just spend it together and we watch the game together and we either celebrate or we cry a little bit one of the two um, but uh, we cook a lot of food and then just enjoy each other's company but uh, also we are uh, absolutely glued to the tv and um, it's kind of a fun tradition that we've started um we'll start going back to the game probably next year, or the year after that, we had just taken a few years break um, after college and mm -hmm. um, had kind of found it a little bit more fun to uh, do it in a little more remote setting and enjoy the lake and enjoy the game on TV. So um, do the, uh, do the wives and the girlfriends get into it or do they stay out by the lake and, you know, talk about how frustrated they are that their husbands and boyfriends aren't paying attention to them for most of that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, all of the, all of the ladies went to OU, so we're all college friends, and so, um, so they're all into it too. So, um, like my wife, um, growing up, she her family had season tickets to OU, and um, so she rarely missed a game. She's very into OU football. Um, funny enough, she had went to TCU for her first year. She decided she wanted to go to a private school, and um, she's from Tulsa, and so. She decided she wanted to go to private school and she ended up going to TCU and about a year in, uh, or the first year, it was dad's day weekend. She was a theta and she had her dad come down and, um, they were going to go to the TCU football game. Um, but OU was playing in Waco and she was like, you know what? I don't even want to go to the TCU dad's day. I want to go watch OU play. And so <laughs> the, she skipped their own dad's day and they heard her dad drove down to Waco, but she eventually ended up transferring to OU um, the way she kind of tells it. She was at the uh, OU Notre Dame game in 2013 um, in Norman and 
Um, it was a it was a fun game anytime you play Notre Dame. Uh, I remember when Texas was back for a little bit after they I, beat Notre Dame. You had to go there. You, you had, had to, to go there. I, I was at there. that game. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she, she uh, ended up going to that OU game in Norman against Notre Dame, and she knew that was her sophomore year. She was like, I've got to be back in Norman. So she ended up transferring. Um, thankfully, she did because that's how we met. But uh, so she's a huge OU fan, and all the all the ladies are, and so um, it's fun. I mean, they get into it and um, they scream at the TV and um, complain about the refs and all the, all the things that we do. <laughs> love that! I love that. <laughs> so who get who gets more angry when things aren't going well? You, you, or the wife? Oh, for sure, me. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a pessimist during the game. If we if we mess up, I'm like, oh, game's over. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how you are <laughs> with Texas football, but I get a little bit pessimistic quickly. <laughs> I'm the exact same way. I mentioned earlier how I panicked and left the group text, but I'm I'm typically not seeing not seeing the positive at any point during a game, and and it it really means a lot a lot to me. Um, I've been a huge Texas fan. For a, for a very long time since I can remember, um, so I watch those games with more fear than I do um, excitement and being appreciative of what's happening on the field. So I I also get more angry than than my wife, and oftentimes she has to kind of give me a shot clock after we lose and tell me, you know, you've got forty five minutes to get over this. You better you better get your act together. <laughs> She's done that a couple times. You know, one thing I just thought of, Kevin, um, when you and I uh, roomed together when we interned in Bartlesville, how we met, you had reached out to me, I think, on like Facebook Messenger. Um, and in your you were DMs. Like, in your DMs. Yeah, you, you DMed me. You were looking for a summer roommate, and I was too. And you were like, hey, Tanner, um, you know, I see that we have some we have some differences between uh, schools here, but can we set those aside for a summer and find a place to live together? <laughs> sure enough, we did. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's funny. You were probably like, who the hell is this Texas fan? I'm not living with him. <laughs> yeah. And then I found out you were the, the, uh, the Texas cowboy. And I, I soon realized I, I found a huge Texas fan, not just some Texas fan. It was a huge one. <laughs> Big time. But I mean, I feel like we've always been able to um, find common ground 51 weeks out of the year. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, talking Texas OU, you mentioned that you've been to a few games. You've made that drive down. What's your favorite Texas OU tradition other than your lake weekend? Thinking back to your childhood and um, your years in school, what's your favorite What's your favorite tradition this weekend? Well, uh, you know, on campus, uh, when I was uh, at OU, we, ha- we always had a, um, the week of, I think on Thursdays, uh, leading up to OU Texas, we would have a Bevo barbecue and that the, they would serve hamburgers and stuff. Um, so that was always fun. But um, obviously, we get the Friday off before OU Texas, and they kind of encourage us to go down. And then one of my favorite traditions, if OU beats Texas pretty good, like it's a good, good, solid victory, like double digit victory. Typically the president of the university will cancel class on Monday. Really? Um, as Yeah, that's that, that was kind of a, a tradition. Uh, 
Well, that was when David Bourne was president. He's not any longer. So I don't know what the current president does, but we, we typically would do that. Um, so that was always a great tradition. You know, you didn't have to go to class on Monday. You know, you know what? Um, that sounds about right. Putting, putting football <laughs> over academics. That sounds, that right. sounds about right to me. That's on par for OU. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and the whole, the whole Bevo. So it sounds like the Bevo cookout, obviously you're eating beef and you're like, haha, this is Bevo. That's, that's kind of messed up because we can't we can't respond in kind and like eat a horse. Isn't your mascot a horse? That's that's not a it thing. It is a people, horse. People don't eat horses in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> it is a horse, and our schooner hasn't tipped over in like two or three years. So that's big. Yeah. You're back. We're back. Yeah, you're back. <laughs> that's exactly right. I won't lie. I I was watching that. I was watching that kind of when it happened and saw the replays day of and, and was, was very excited that that had happened on your home field. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I was at the game. Uh, I think that was, we played West Virginia that day. And uh, I, I immediately, I turned to my wife and I was like, I was like this is going to be a, this is going to be a GIF. Like this is going to be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, it kind of is like people send it to me sometimes if he's not playing well. <laughs> so uh, that's hilarious but one of you know one of my favorite um OU Texas memories I was kind of thinking about this in I went to the 2011 game and uh OU had, had Landry Jones quarterbacking with his uh beautiful mustache and if you can call it that and <laughs> OU really got a hold of Texas that day I think it was like a 50 something to 20 something game but it was so fun uh, because there was a lot of Texas fans that were talking talking before the game, and it was fun to to put it on them. Put them in the ground, yeah. I remember, yeah. I forget what year it was, but it was one of those where you guys were in the top five, and I was riding the old dart in Dallas down to the <laughs> state fair, coming down from, I think, Plano. I want to say it was, it was my sophomore year, and I could be getting the years mixed up, and Andrew should be here to say the exact year and score because he remembers that. But I was on the dart, and there was – an OU student on the dart just giving us hell. He was such an ass to us, and he was talking mess. And we we won that game, and I was thinking about that guy the rest of the day. And I was just like, where where is he now? Come at me now, boy. <laughs> well, in similar fashion, uh, the, the game in 2014, um, it was a tight game. OU had Trevor Knight playing quarterback, and – Really, OU played terribly and just kind of squeaked out a win against you about like 31-26. And uh, I went down with my dad and my brother, and uh, we got onto the dart. And a Texas fan, you know, after the game, he was he was upset. He'd probably been drinking a little bit, and he goes, he goes, uh, you know, your degree's worthless, right? And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Football over academics. Yeah. Man, that's mean. That's mean. Another one that I'm, it's not really a tradition, but um, a few years ago when we, when, when, when we won from Dicker the Kicker uh, winning the game on a field goal, I had tickets but actually left the stadium at halftime to go, you know, have a more accessible place to watch the game, accessible for, for, for drinking and libations. And uh, we found... A, a platform to watch the game on. It was kind of like a wooden deck with AstroTurf on top of it. And there was 
it was way over capacity, too many people, hundreds of hundreds of people on this deck. And when they kicked the field goal to win the game, everyone's jumping up and down and going crazy and running around. I I ran off the deck, thankfully, to give my wife a kiss and, you know, pick her up and be excited. And the whole deck actually collapsed. And nobody was hurt, thankfully, but probably 50 people, it looked like just a sinkhole had opened up under the deck after the win. And I don't know what the property damage was, but the Texas fans were just going nuts and basically ruined this seating area <laughs> at at the state fair. This was at on the on the fairgrounds. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! <laughs> so many, so Dicker many good Dicker. memories. Dicker, 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 Dicker. He's, Dicker. he's still with what? us. Yeah, his tenth year. I saw that. I was surprised <laughs> yeah. to see him a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> he's still there, man. You guys have a great kicker too. What is it, Gabe Ber- Berchich or something? Gabe Berchich, yeah, um, yeah, he's excellent. Yeah, he's. Um, it seems like he's honestly better from further away than he is close up. I think his two misses <laughs> this year have been uh in like the 30 yard range but he's hitting them from the 50s and he's leaving a lot of a lot of meat on the bone when he does it so yeah i mean a kicker the score that i picked earlier this week when we recorded our our pod i i factored in at least two field goals from both teams because i think you know the quarterbacks get talked about a lot especially for ou and we'll get into the offense and how spencer's doing but both of the kickers on these teams are are excellent and some of the best in the country so we, we should see some production from both of them um, even though we we would both probably rather see touchdowns, we're going to see some nice kicking in this game. So uh, we talked about good memories over the long haul, but um, so far this season on the on the memory theme, what are what are your what are your takes? What do you remember from the first few games? Maybe frustrations and excitement, but how's the season gone so far from an OU fan perspective? Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, OU was, um, I think, started off the season at number two. And um, I think there was a lot of expectation around Spencer Rowler, especially the way, especially the way he finished off last year um, and the way he played against Florida in the bowl game. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, there's – we're not playing super well. We're not putting a lot of points on the board. Um, I know a lot of the, the home fans, Spencer wasn't greeted too well. <laughs> Uh, in front of his own fan base as they chanted for Caleb. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of the issues we're having right now starts on the offensive line. Uh, and then even a little bit more, we supposedly have all these stud wide receivers, but really I think our best receiver is a walk-on, uh, Drake Stoops. Really? So he's our he's our most reliable uh, set of hands. So um, he, he does have good hands. So. I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't watch all of your game against Kansas State last weekend live. But one of the things that I did see was uh, late in the game, Kansas State was faking like they were going to kick. Um, they were going to kick it. It's blanking on my mind. They were trying to get the ball back. I'm a football fan. How am I forgetting this? What's it called? An onside kick. An onside kick. Yeah. Kansas State was lined up for an onside kick, and uh, they ended up going offsides. But the kicker actually kind of faked and ended up squibbing it or whatever where he kicks it straight forward and he kicked it pretty hard right at that stoops kid and he like odell the thing like 15 yards from where the kicker was i don't know if you saw that because it, it had a flag and didn't end up counting but i'm pretty sure that's the walk-on you're talking about he he had like a like a sports center top 10 play it didn't matter but he he does have good hands he does he's our most reliable receiver um which is so surprising because we have 
uh, I think about three or four five-star guys on the receiving core right now. Um, and so he's been our, he's been our best player, him. And then a guy that turns from Arkansas, uh, last name Woods, number eight, those two guys have been our best receivers. And I don't think that was expected at all. Um, so yeah, we're having trouble. Um, I mean, not scoring a lot of points. We're having trouble moving the football and, um, really, I think the key to beating OU is to keep the ball out of their hands on offense and teams have been doing that to us. They've been playing a lot of keep away. Um, that the first game we against Tulane, we just kind of out athleted them uh, and really outlasted them. But when we played West Virginia, has a little bit better of a roster. Um, they were able to just keep. They were able to win the time of possession and keep it away from us. And uh, and it doesn't help when your offense is. Uh, it hasn't been super creative like we've known from Lincoln Riley. Um, since he's been in OU since 2015 and um, against Kansas State, they're kind of a rough, tough football team and they they run the ball and take care of it really well. That's kind of what they're known for. And they did the same thing to us. So, um, so far, I mean, if teams can, if teams can run the ball well on OU um, and play keep away, OU has really struggled to be consistent on offense, which is shocking, but that's just how it is so far. And you mentioned like typically you're used to seeing Lincoln Riley find schematic advantage somehow based on personnel and what the defense is doing. Do you think that it, the lack of, uh, the lack of that this season is a byproduct of a really bad offensive line and pass protection, or do you think he's kind of keeping some scheme in his back pocket for big games like this one, this weekend, do you expect to see different looks and, and, you know, different kinds of fakes and motions on the offense that, that he's been holding so far. I hope it's, I hope it's that, I hope it's more of the second one. Um, but no, I think our offensive line is really struggling uh, as much as Spencer Rattler has struggled. Um, our offensive line hasn't really helped him out. And one thing that Texas fans may not know is that OU only has two scholarship running backs right now. So I think that's part of the reason we're not running the ball well. Um, is just probably fear of losing one of them. Um, so we have Kennedy Brooks, who's a two-time 1,000-yard rusher, but sat out last year. Um, and then we have a guy that transferred from Tennessee, Eric Gray. Um, and Kennedy's a good running back. He's a little bit slow, but he's, he's pretty solid. He, he's really uh, – he makes good reads on holes, and he somehow finds himself in wide-open space all the time. But, um, yeah, we're kind of struggling – running back wise, I think partly because we're not run blocking very well. We're not pass blocking well, but also because we're a little bit limited on our running backs, which hasn't been something that OU has been limited at in the past. And we, we talked about before. that. We talked about that depth at running back for you guys a little bit when we recorded earlier in the week, but can you give us some insight into like how, how the heck did that possibly happen at a school like Oklahoma, where you're recruiting, getting you know, top 10 recruiting classes every single year. You have the sway of Heisman potential for offensive, you know, special players. Um, not to have depth at that position. I've read a little bit about what happened, but, you know, not to dog on the players so much. We all did dumb things when we were in college. But, um, yeah, can you shed some light on that situation and kind of how that transpired over the course of uh, the spring? Yeah, I think we are set up to have a really deep running back core this year. Um, but we've had a couple guys transfer. 
And then, as you mentioned, uh, we had Seth McGowan, who played really well in the bowl game last year and was highly recruited. Um, he got in trouble for an armed robbery kind of thing, and he was booted off the team. We had a guy from LSU transfer in, then he got in trouble, and I think he's transferring back to LSU. Um, and then a, another guy, Marcus Major, he was supposed to be super good, but he's injured. So um, we just kind of found ourselves with two running backs, and that's all we got. We started off, and it looked we looked like we were going to be super strong at running back. And then it just seemed like every week uh, in the offseason, something was going on, and we were losing one. So. <laughs> Well, it, it will be interesting to watch. And from what I've seen, that Eric Eric Gray guy is, is pretty dynamic. He seems to be more twitchy and better in the short passing game and, and things like that. So I I think he's gonna have a big game if we try to go after Spencer. But on the you know, on the topic of how the fans have reacted and welcomed is a very generous term, Spencer Rattler, um, back into full capacity stadiums and some of the chanting that we've heard from the student section that resonate throughout the ty- throughout the entire um, stadium. What's, what's your take on, on that? Because, you know, usually in the past few years, the starting quarterback at Oklahoma obviously has high expectations, but they're typically producing cheered by their fan base and in New York having a real shot at the Heisman. So to see, that about face and the fans getting angry, you know, it's, it's definitely worth asking for. So what are you seeing there? Yeah. You know, I mean, Spencer's struggling a little bit. Um, I think he played better against K-State. We scored, I think on seven of nine possessions. Um, and he was more accurate and a little more controlled. Um, he played really poorly against West Virginia. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, I think I think it probably it's it's going to take some getting used to. But college football is changing a lot, especially with the ability that players have now to get paid. And mm-hmm. so, I think uh, I think it's not going to be super rare to see a college football player get treated like an NFL guy now. And so, it's a bad look to be your quarterback. Uh, but. That's just that's just kind of Spencer Rattler's thing. He's always been the best. He knows he's the best, and so um, you know things were producing, and you know he was kind of met with some criticism because he wasn't producing like he tells everyone he's going to. And you know he's been posting about his two new cars, he got a brand new pickup truck, all the things of a millionaire lifestyle that he's living, and. Um, then he wasn't producing and was playing pretty poorly. And so um, I, I think he, he earned it. I saw the, I saw the Instagram post about cars and, and he was posing with two. And I did think that, did he get two cars? And with NIL, you know, obviously that's in bounds now, but it's, you're talking about how college football has changed. And for OU fans in particular, that has to resonate a little bit with the quarterback and the local car dealership, because You've had a quarterback, if I remember correctly, actually get ruled ineligible or something like that, a starting quarterback because of a relationship with a local car dealership. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, it's just history repeating itself. Uh, he also wore number seven, Rhett Bomar. <laughs> really? Are you <laughs> yeah, serious? Yeah, he did. So, um, oh I think the only difference this time is it, it would have been uh, – or it, it's legal now as it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when in 2005 or six when he was kicked off the team. So. But maybe maybe that's an omen. You know, as a Texas fan, I'm looking for trends like that. Maybe that, maybe that means something. Um, so, really <laughs> quick before we get into – kind of projections for this game and how you're feeling about the Texas team, what you're looking for out of the Texas team and maybe worried about Um, just really quick on the defensive side of the ball. I watched a lot of the West Virginia game and I'm seeing a ton of movement on the defensive line and a lot of them being very destructive in the backfield. What, What are you seeing from the defense? You know, OU's defense has taken a lot of strides in the past couple of years with Alex Grinch as our new defense coordinator. Um, the thing I think to watch out for is Nick Benito, number 11. He's pretty good. Um, we haven't had a guy like him that's – you said the word disruptive. We haven't had a guy like him uh, as an edge rusher that's as disruptive as he is and is probably a, a real NFL kind of guy um, in a long time. And so um, – there is a lot of movement from the OU defense. Um, we're still really poor in the secondary. So if Casey Thompson can throw the ball, um, I think you guys will have a lot of success. But um, if he has a clean pocket. But I think Nick Benito is kind of the guy to watch out for on OU's defense. He's really good. He he makes some plays, and um, he's just tough to block. Um, but I think OU has improved a little bit defensively, but – um, against a guy like you guys have um, with BJ and Robinson, it's really going to test us if we're if we're if we're tackling better or we're not. I mean, he's the real deal, and so um, there's no doubt about that. Bijan, 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 Bijan. Sorry. Speaking of nil, I bought a couple of Bijan shirts. Dropped like a hundred dollars on his merch when he released that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of merch, uh, I forgot about this. You know, Rattler. I've heard is charging $75 an autograph. I don't know how uh, common that is, but I was just thinking about being a little kid and having my dreams crushed by <laughs> kind of a jerk. <laughs> Saved up my allowance for two years for this asshole. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. you, you mentioned, you mentioned Bijan and maybe you haven't seen that many highlights from Texas, but coming into the game, obviously we have a new coach. We have a new quarterback. Um, what are you expecting to see or hoping not to see out of the Texas team this weekend? And I think the key for Texas um, is, I mean, I know Casey Thompson, he, he's pretty quick and um, he's mobile. And so if Texas runs the ball well with their quarterback and running back and takes some shots down the field when they can, I think you guys could have a really big day. Um, but I think the expectation for Texas is always got to be throwing the ball, especially with a guy like Robinson. And um, I mean, I think it's going to be exciting because it seems like first-year coaches have a lot of success in the Red River rivalry game just because probably they've never experienced it and they kind of want to make a, a big impact on their fan base, especially knowing how important it is to OU fans and Texas fans. So, um I mean, I'm, I'm expecting you guys to play lights out. I really am. Um, and probably, honestly, to probably want it more than OU does because you guys are trying to get back on track and have a new coach. And I think that's the expectation from the OU side. 
we're playing with hopes and not fears. And based on, you know, Sark's comments to the media this week, it's been, it's been nice to hear him um, indicate that he has researched the rivalry. He has researched and understands some of the traditions in the game. And he's coming with a lot of experience with huge games at the end of the season. And also, you know, he was familiar with big in-state rivalry games with Alabama playing um, Auburn. So, you know, Auburn may not have been as formidable an opponent as Oklahoma will be for Texas. And maybe that rivalry is not as level over the course of its um, tenure or, or history. But he's been saying all the right things. Um, if you're a Texas fan that you want to hear this week and seems to have some respect and is taking it very seriously. So I'm hoping he's ready. I'm hoping he's like one of the Saban assistants that turns out to be successful versus, you know, some of his others that haven't haven't had much success in, in big games with their teams trying to build them up. So maybe Sark's an outlier. He 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 had me nearly quitting on him after the Arkansas game, but I'm I'm hoping that he'll have the horns ready and excited and, you know, mentally tough enough to run through that tunnel with OU fans yelling at him to start the game. So we'll see. We'll see. I hope it turns out. So as we as we round out here, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about our experiences, uh, traditions, getting getting hollered at on the on the Dallas Dart on the way to the games, and um, you know things that we've experienced and what we're expecting. But ultimately, um, as we round out here, what are your what are your predictions for the game? What do you think the the teams are going to look like and do? starting the game and and how do you think it ends and what do you think the score is well i think the prediction in the red river rivalry game is there really is no prediction you can you can make it's always a toss-up game right um but i do think i think OU's going to get it together this week um maybe that's just the optimist in me um or um i'm seeing through my crimson colored glasses but i think i think OU gets it together this week and um i think it's a good game um but I think OU gets it together, and I think um, 31-17, Sooners pull it out. It's tight most of the way, and uh, it never really it never really feels like it's over um, until until the clock hits zero. Um, but I think Rattler has a nice day, and uh, the line plays well. Uh, it's not a lack of talent thing for the offensive line. It's just they're not playing very well. So um, 17. So that, 17 only gives us room to get in the get in the end zone twice. So you think the the offensive or the defensive line controls Bijan and Casey and, and the shoddy defensive backfield holds up against the Texas offense. That's put up numbers like, you know, in the fifties and the seventies. Well, yeah, y'all scored 70 against Texas tech, but I think, uh, I think Lubbock high school also did too. (laughs) (laughs) It counts. It's a seven. It's a seven on the board. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I thought we could have uh, scored a hundred that game. <laughs> yeah, you guys looked really solid that day. But in typical Big Twelve fashion, one team scores seventy and they give up thirty-five to the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I think the Sooners pull it out this weekend, and um, I think they finally get it together. And Lincoln's a little bit more creative, and um, 
they step up and run the ball really well and take some pressure off Rattler. So, yeah, I think to counter there, my prediction is um, the first quarter can go any which way. I think the Texas team with a new quarterback and a new coach is going to look a little, a little bit um, shaky in the first quarter, but our, our offensive line, despite a, an injury in a key position last week, I think is going to hold up and Bijan might not go for 200 yards like he did against TCU, but he's a formidable, um, a formidable opponent and offensive player when he has the ball in his hand. So I'm hoping that Bijan's able to have some success in the first quarter and keep, keep your defensive line focused more on stopping him than they are Casey, which will free up the rest of our offense. But I know that with, your new defensive coordinator, things are improved on that end of the ball. But from my perspective, the offenses that you have played so far aren't up to the standard of what we're capable of doing. So our team hasn't hasn't played an A or even a B game on the road so far. And I, I think we'll bring some of that into the neutral site, especially with, you know, as many opposing OU fans as the Texas team has seen, you know, against TCU like it's going to be loud and raucous in that stadium so I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that the Sarkeesian vibes and and our offense will either keep us in in a shootout and have us winning at the end of the game or you know that's combined well with defense and I'm picking a a 41-31 game where the where the horns pull it out so we will we will just have to see how it goes And, and Tanner I hope you have a great Friday and a great Sunday this weekend. Yes, absolutely. It's been a pleasure and um, I've enjoyed talking with it, talking with you and thanks for letting me uh, come on and go behind enemy lines. Yeah, it's been fun. So we've come at you here with football on the 40 ad free with a special edition to get some perspective from Tanner, um, a seasoned OU fan that, that bleeds crimson, so to speak. Uh, but thank you for joining us and enjoy your drive to Dallas on Friday. And we'll, we'll see how the horns, how the horns win. Cause I think it's going to be a W thanks again, Tanner. All right. Thank you, Kevin.